I'm taking a holiday from dating. And while I'm at it, I'm taking a holiday from holidays. A simple act of kindness. Who doesn't love opening a Christmas card? Can change your life forever. Oh, that card brought me here. Wow. Chad Michael Murray and Tori DeVito star in a romantic holiday movie. Shouldn't we be on a sleigh somewhere? No. I'm happy right here. Right before Christmas. Only on Hallmark Channel. The heart of Christmas. Now, it's very important you wouldn't know this from listening, but right before Christmas is spelled W-R-I-T-E. Because we are not talking about, oh, it's just a, a few days before Christmas. No, 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 no. It is right before Christmas. And that is an order. Uh, right is used as a verb. It is very aggressive sounding because uh, this is a Hallmark movie and Hallmark really wants you to write a fucking card and mail it before Christmas because that money in buying said card and mailing it, that is Hallmark money. Uh, Welcome back to another stocking stuffer, Me Alone, uh, 2019's Right before Christmas. You write that fucking card before Christmas. Uh, This is a Hallmark movie. Boy, is it ever a Hallmark movie. Uh, As we know, Hallmark is the champion of the cozy guarding and Christmas genre. And they are pumping them out. They're doing 40, 40, 40, 40 new movies this year. This is one of 40. uh, And probably one of two that I'm going to be covering this year as far as Hallmark's output. I realize that I can't do math very well. What is two out of 40 is one of, that's like a very small percentage of the coverage, but I, I, guys, I'm one person. And there are other networks, uh, none with such a focus on greeting cards as Hallmark, um, but they, they went for it. This movie is the closest they've come to just making a two-hour commercial, and it's kind of amazing. Uh, right Before Christmas is directed by Pat Williams, who has done a lot of television, been working there for a while. The screenplay is written by, I believe, a married couple, Neil and Tippi Dobrovsky. And the, na- the those names might ring a bell to you, because they also wrote, I can't remember if it was last year or the year before, the Hallmark Hall of Fame presentation, A Christmas Train, or I'm sorry, the Christmas Train. If you remember that movie, it was weird. It was the one with, oh, Dermot Mulroney and Kimberly, Kimberly Williams and Danny fucking Glover and Joan Cusack. It was strange. Uh, this movie is a little more traditional, but I will say it's interesting that this couple does did that movie into this movie because this movie does feel... It, it's not... Um, the same level of like Christmas Incorporated and Christmas Cookies and Matchmaker Santa. Like this one is a little bit more, I won't say grown up because it's not, but it feels a little more story, story in terms of storyline, it's more ambitious than most of what Hallmark does, right? This isn't just one story about a woman finding love at Christmas. It's kind of her and her connection to a bunch of other people and how they all find love at Christmas. Uh, so it maybe when they decide to do like the big movie, it's calling the big guns. Quick, ring up the Dabrowskis. They're on speed dial for the Hallmark people. Um, but so it definitely does have a different feel to it. Uh, and I'll run through the plot. So you have Jessica, played by Tori DeVito. Uh, Jessica is a nice young woman who owns a music store in a small town. And she really loves Christmas. She's one of the kind of like sweet ingenue types. Loves Christmas, is dating an optometrist or optho... The the guy who does glasses who is not technically a doctor. And that's a very important plot plot thread throughout the movie. 
she's dating this guy she thinks things are going well he asks her to dinner at uh what is casually known as like the proposal restaurant which weirdly enough also happens in uh holiday road trip so it seems to be a recurring theme dudes be very careful about where you make your reservations during Christmas because apparently in these in the world of Cozy Cardigan Christmas, women are constantly expecting to be proposed to. Even though she's only been dating him for three months and she doesn't particularly like him, um, she thinks he's going to pop the question. He doesn't. Instead, he says, hey, you know, this seems like a good time to break up, which he's right about, actually. Right, R-I-G-H-T, about even. Because, look, if a relationship isn't working and... You're right at that point of the holidays. Like, yeah, it sucks to get dumped on Christmas, but it would also suck to, like, have to kind of spend a miserable week together through Christmas and buy each other, like, big gifts for your first Christmas gift and then realize, oh, and that didn't work out anyway, and now I have to always look back on that year that I sent these cards out with our faces and it didn't make sense. So, yeah, he's not really wrong in this way. But she is kind of like, oh, I guess I'll swear off men. I don't date right anyway. Uh, And what she had done earlier that day at her local store, kind of general store, she can get hot chocolate and greeting cards there. So I think that qualifies as a general store. She purchases like five fancy Hallmark cards, and I'm sure they're available through Hallmark's website today even. Uh, she, her plan had been to like send him one card a day, um, but now that he dumped her, she has these five cards, and she decided something that's kind of nice, which is, hey, you know, people don't send cards anymore. People don't write handwritten letters. I'm going to send these five cards to five people I care about. And those five people are her brother, who is overseas in the military. I don't know if he's actually overseas. Her brother, who is in the military. Uh, her aunt, who raised her, because her parents died, of course. Um, her old music teacher, and her best friend, and somebody else. And I have no idea who that fifth person was. So whatever that says about me... I sit here taking copious notes on these movies, and I don't remember number five. Oh, yes, I do. How could I forget? What the fuck is wrong with me? Number five is basically she writes a note to, um, oh, who, what would his name be? Oh, okay, I got it. Yes, I had to pause and look it up, but I did get it. Nick Lachey. Essentially, uh, so she writes a letter to a boy, former boy band member whose music meant a lot to her, and this guy... I don't know the character's name. I know it wasn't Nick Lachey, but I feel like he was supposed to be modeled on kind of a Nick Lachey-like character. Uh, He's kind of in the dumps and hasn't had a hit in a while and has a brother manager who takes care of him. It's... This movie's... If this movie could be anything when it grew up, it would be Love Actually. It really wants to be Love Actually. This movie is very far from Love Actually. Uh... Maybe slightly less. Uh, look, I love, love Love Actually as a movie. You watch it and it's very enjoyable. At the same time, there is so much wrong with that movie from a chubby woman's perspective, but I digress. So she writes a letter to her old boy band crush, um, which inspires him. Here's the thing. These five letters inspire all five people one way or another. The musician... Um, decides to reinvent his musical career and he calls his old bandmates and apologizes to them and starts a new life that's one her brother is having a romance with a fellow soldier and continues with that romance that's two her aunt is recently widowed uh and connects with a very attractive single neighbor who's been walking a dog by her house all this time and the dog accidentally comes into the house and she decides to foster the dog and of course she decides to keep the dog and keep the guy so good for her um Number 
four guys. I keep forgetting who these five people are. Oh, her best friend uh, she works with. And basically, she in the letter to her friend, she's like, hey, I know you want to have a baby. I know your husband said to wait three years, but you should have a baby now. And the friend decides, yeah, I am going to have that baby now. And then number five, she writes a letter to her old music teacher because she was a she is a cellist, um, doesn't really play much now, but, you know, was an accomplished cellist and writes a letter to her music mentor to say, like, you really made a big impact in my life. Uh, the teacher doesn't get the letter because the teacher is away, but her son is home. Her son is none other than Chad Michael Murray, who reads the letter to his mother and then like ends up connecting with Jessica. And yes, of course, they fall in love. So you do get all the kind of typical things you expect in the movie. But again, it's a little more ambitious than your typical Hallmark tale. So let's dive into whether or not it hits on the tropes. Number one, our lead in need of a lesson. Yes, we obviously have Jessica. The thing is, and I'm going to give a little bit of credit to the movie. Normally, it's a very cut and dry. Either our lead is a overambitious career woman who doesn't have time for Christmas and needs to learn not to care about work. Or she's like a sweet, mousy ingenue who needs to spread Christmas cheer and kind of learn to stand up for herself. Jessica's sort of not really both of those things. Um she is apparently a very successful business owner although that doesn't seem to be that much of a thing uh she her thing is that she kind of has given up on herself if you want to say it that way uh you know she used to have big dreams of playing the cello and she's given that up but then she's convinced by her friend to take a chance and audition for like the local orchestra and she gets to be substitute second chair so good for her there um and her big thing is that she i guess because of the death of her parents which we'll get to she has a hard time loving she ends up choosing men to love who are not challenging her so therefore she's kind of closed her heart so she does need to learn a lesson which is to open her heart and guys she does uh she's played by tori devito who you would know i guess she was also in one tree hill but i obviously know her from pretty little liars where she played melissa hastings for a long time number two is our setting big bad city charming small town it is a charming small town i'm sure they said the name of it i don't remember it they don't lean in on the kind of like kind you know there's no big christmas tree lighting ceremony but it's definitely the kind of town where there's one newspaper and one music store and one orphanage and all of these things um oh and one restaurant right seems to be like one restaurant where everybody goes um and because people keep bumping into each other, it's clear that this is an, it's important that this town not be overly populated. Number three, our bland love interest. So in this case, we get Chad Michael Murray, who keeps showing up in these movies. Now, I did not watch One Tree Hill. I guess I saw him in whatever horror movie he did in the early 2000s. Was it, uh, I think it was House of Wax. I don't have much for or against him he's a tall handsome blonde guy doesn't do much for me uh and to me he doesn't do much for these movies um he showed up last year in i think that ashley benson one where he was again one of the least interesting things about it and the cops are after me because apparently um they're on the side of chad michael murray oh good they're gone anyway my point being he's here again he's fine he is probably a, a better actor than most of the men cast in these roles, but he just is blunt. Like, he's the definition of a bland love interest, but not in the way I think Hallmark intends him to be. And again, I feel like they probably have to spend more money on him 
because he's kind of a real actor. Like his name is, I think, second to Tori DeVito's in the credits, but like they clearly sell this as a Chad Mur- Michael Murray vehicle. And I don't get it. He doesn't do much. Uh, and his character, he's, he's not a widowed dad. Um, he's a wedding photographer who has like real dreams of being a real photographer and that's his thing and blah, 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 blah. Four is the montage. We get two of them. Uh, we get a building a snowman montage, which is done by our soldier brother. I have no problems with a snowman montage. And then at the end of the movie, we kind of get like a very quick mini epilogue montage where we see um, like the soldier celebrating Christmas and we see the aforementioned orphanage, which kind of keeps coming up. And at this orphanage, um, Jessica has donated like a whole bunch of musical instruments to all the kids, which seems like a very pricey thing to do. Number five, dead parents and dead wife. Guys, we are dripping in dead folks here. We have many statements about how Jessica lost her parents when she was young, and that changes everything, quote unquote. We have Aunt Lila's husband, uh, who died, I think, of cancer a couple years earlier. And that's perfect because Lila's suitor is like, yeah, I don't I haven't been out much since my wife died. Could there be anything better? I think we're oh, we have an orphanage, so we have a whole like, you know, just gaggles of dead parents floating around. And I think I missed a line, but I think Chad Michael Murray's mother might also have been dead he might have been like raised by a foster mother and that's uh so because he says something about why he like volunteers at the orphanage all this time so i mean when in doubt yes your parents are dead number six sassy sidekick uh we have a very chirpy blonde curly haired best friend slash co-worker or um what is it called if it's if you're the boss and this person works for you like that that relationship but they're best friends um I don't remember much about her. The actress is fine. It just didn't, the character didn't give me much. She didn't wear big, big earrings, and I was offended by that choice. Uh, let's see, number seven, our evil woman or boss character. We get a little bit of a, a less a villain and more like a plot inconvenience, if you will, because Chad Michael Murray is a wedding photographer, and people are constantly trying to set him up. And he is kind of against his will, set up on a blind date with an actress. And in movies, I don't know if you're aware of this, but apparently all young women who are actresses are just constantly auditioning. So like when they're sitting in a, in a coffee shop waiting for their blind date to show up, they're reading sides very dramatically. And she ends up being a little bit of a... She throws a wrench in the courtship of Jessica and Chad Michael Murray because um, she ends up like being in the wrong place at the wrong time where Jessica spots him with her and thinks that he's been lying to her and that she's, he's in a relationship, blah, blah. I think she ends up with his best friend who owns a restaurant. So things seem to work out for her. And moving right along to number eight, our slapstick. Oh, God. This movie does the Bella Swan school of clumsiness thing where jessica just keeps dropping stuff and bumping into people so she bumps into chad michael murray on the street before they even talk like they just that's their first introduction without realizing it then then um they meet again and they bump into each other and she drops stuff and he helps pick them up pick up the stuff and then they hit each other's heads and it's just this thing that just keeps happening and the movie seems to think it's adorable but really it's just obnoxious number nine sage old person you know it's a tricky one. I guess uh, Aunt Lila, who is played by Lolita Davidovich, uh, who I always thought had, so, I always respected for keeping her very hard to pronounce name in Hollywood, because I'm sure an agent was like, 
just shorten it. No producer is going to want to say that name. But no, good for her. She held on to her heritage, I guess. Um, I thought she would be sage, and she's there to be supportive. Um, and she looks great in this movie, and I want her wardrobe. She is, like, lounging around in this gorgeous purple bathrobe. Then later, she's again, like, just sitting in her beautiful house, uh, drinking coffee in this, like, very warm wool caftan. Uh, I don't remember if she said anything sage, but she felt like, I mean, there is a point where, again, Jessica says to her, like, oh, having you as a support system really helped me be who I am. But more importantly, she looked fabulous. Number 10, Santa Claus. We don't get real Santa Claus, but we do get multiple scenes of Chad Michael Murray dressed like Santa Claus because he plays Santa for the orphanage. Um, This also is a key plot point because then his picture is taken of the orphanage. And... I th- then there's like a newspaper article published about it and then a woman's like walks into the music store and says you know because of that article I'm gonna go adopt some children so really he's he, I mean he really is Santa Claus he got these kids with dead parents like living parents um, more importantly there's I don't know if they ADR'd it or what but when Chad Michael Murray is wearing his beard he is speaking through it and he sounds like Darth Vader it is kind of amazing So really, in terms of the standard 10, like, we get 10 out of 10. Like, they're spread a little weird, but once again, dead parents just crushing it to make up for any lack anywhere else. On to the bonus rounds. Public domain holiday songs, so many. Every one of them. Um, Even better is that uh, the movie, like, uses them as a plot point because Jessica is auditioning to be in the orchestra, and first she, like, picks up her cello again after all these years and starts playing silent night and everybody's like wow that was so good and here's the thing like silent night is one of my favorite um instrumental christmas songs i think it can be played very beautifully and i love the cello the cello is one of my favorite instruments and apparently tori devito is really playing the cello in this but and you feel like she could have really given it like silent night on a cello played slow and hauntingly would have been great and i'm i would not I would not bet against Tori DeVito having done that and then the director saying, you know, we're actually running long in the movie, so you're going to have to do that in double speed. So instead of just her kind of playing it really quickly, and that is not a song that should be played quickly, even on the cello, um, when she auditions for the whatever you call it, for the orchestra, she plays another Christmas song like as her audition piece, which seems a little odd. Uh, the other public domain-ness that we get is if you remember back in the olden days of the 80s and 90s, the public domainness of It's a Wonderful Life. Uh, good and bad thing because it meant that um, Ted Turner colorized it and it just showed up everywhere and stations would just air it all day long. Um, now, I am a huge It's a Wonderful Life fan. I think that movie is wonderful and cannot be underrated. Um, but it's fun to see it showing up in here because it's just been so long since I remembered that, oh yeah, you can have this on the background and not pay for it. Uh, The other thing I'll give credit to the movie for is we get some non-public domain songs because we have the band, um, and I did write this down, the band's name was Jax and All in Motion, and they have a bunch of original Christmas songs, which also, I'd forgotten this, in the beginning, uh, Jax is supposed to play at like a bar mitzvah or something, and his brother's like, oh yeah, they want you to play the Christmas song. And he, and clearly that is modeled after Love Actually. Anyway, moving on, Cloying Child. I mean, we have a bunch of orphans. What more do you need? Ice skating. 
Uh, yeah, well, yes and no. No, really, yes. We get ice hockey. So Chad Michael Murray plays ice hockey. It's a thing. He talks about it a lot. Uh, and at one point, there is ice skating because he is at the hockey rink and he is taking headshots for the um, actress blind date. And this is when Jessica shows up and sees him. She's, of course, you know, as you do on the ice, the date's falling and she's holding on to him. And Jessica thinks like, oh, you're seeing someone and even says to him later, like he was ice skating with someone else. I didn't catch any Canadianisms, but that doesn't mean they weren't there. Product placement. This entire movie is a 90 minute ad for Hallmark cards. And again, on one hand, it is a nice sentiment. Like, yes, there's a difference between getting a card in the mail that just has your name on it and getting a card that somebody has taken the time to handwrite and talk to you. Um, But the way this movie frames it is that it is something you really should be doing through your local Hallmark. Number, not number, I I don't number my bonuses. What's going on here? Character with a Christmas name. Yes, we have a dog named Blitzen. Uh, Christmas tree lighting, no, but we get a lot of Christmas tree lots and the purchasing of Christmas trees. Uh, no karaoke. I don't, I shockingly did not catch any major offenses as far as the coffee cup acting. I don't recall actors holding coffee cups, so therefore I also don't recall them acting poorly with them. Um, same for going to bed at three o'clock or the sprinkle sound effect. I didn't notice. However, I did notice some very very curated red and green costuming and the final montage a bunch of characters are standing around a piano and they are perfectly paired off into red and green uh there is also a new one i'm going to throw in there which is the importance of mixed fonts in your movie uh you see this on the poster art usually where you'll have like a very scripty serify um you know font for one word and then a more straight um non-script for the other and so you definitely get that here not only on the title but the credits of everybody's name it'll be like Tori in script DeVito in Helvetica so interesting interesting touch as for our highlighted IMDb review there aren't that many because this is a brand new movie um but there's one that I thought kind of it like was fairly honest and kind of matches some of what I had to say so I thought it was worth sharing I don't know that I would have given this movie 8 out of 10 stars, but Wildflower Princess did, uh, and she titles her review, The Cutest 90-Minute Card Commercial I've Seen. Uh, Different storyline, which I appreciate, still manages to hit certain tropes, like getting upset because you can't just talk to each other. Cute, funny, multiple romances, and nary a small town, a high-powered Christmas-hating exec, or a single parent with a precocious matchmaking child in sight worth a watch also if you send people hallmark cards you too could fall in love and positively impact absolutely everyone around you um i feel like we are in a small town um but i i agree with this you know kind of uh, style of it uh this movie has a 7.3 rating on imdb and again just out of um consistency that is 0.5 points higher than bridesmaids just going to keep using that as the example because I think it sets the tone well. Uh, do I recommend it? Mm, you know, for Hallmark, I'm going to say this is one of the better crafted Hallmark movies. I don't think it's as enjoyable or like weird as what you get on a Lifetime or an Up. Um, 
but Hallmark, which can be so cookie cutter and so formulaic, this one at least gives you a little bit of different here and there where you have multiple stories. And again, not all of them are centered on romance. It is also a very, very poor man's discount love, actually. And on that front, it is not very good at all. Um, But there's nothing nothing horribly offensive about it. There's no kind of... there's not really any kind of like secret agenda against women or anything like that. Uh, there are, I believe, very few people that aren't white. As I'm saying this out loud, I realize I don't know if there was anybody that wasn't white in this movie. Um, so yeah, far from anything that special um, and very much a commercial for Christmas cards. At the same time, one could do worse. That's what I got. We'll be back soon. So, has everyone written their letter to Santa? Oh no, I almost forgot! Didn't want to forget that! What did you say to Santa, Nathan? <sighs> Nothing. You don't want anything for Christmas? No, I just can't think of what to say. Oh, I can help. We'll write it together. Thanks, Melanie. Now, let's start with Dear Santa. I'm writing a letter to you today with so many things that I want to say. Dear Santa, I'm writing to wish you good cheer and tell you just how good I've been this year. Oh, Santa Claus, Santa Claus, please visit me. The house will look pretty with lights on the tree. I'll leave you some cookies on Christmas Eve night. I'll be in my bed all snuggled up tight. <laughs> Flying up to my room in your reindeer sleigh, then slide down my chimney with gifts right away. Before we forget, there's one thing more. For kids without chimneys, please use their door. Oh, Santa Claus, Santa Claus, please visit me. The house will look pretty with lights on the tree. I'll leave you some cookies on Christmas Eve night. I'll be in my bed all snuggled up tight. Oh, Nathan. Oh, Santa Claus, Santa Claus, please visit me.